some of you guys know I got a new puppy. Bishop is fine, but you know, Bishop is getting a senior. He's 70 something years old, okay? And he's a senior, all right? And, and, and he going blind, bless his heart. And he got, you know, always had a bad hip. He had surgery on his hip when he was puppy, puppy you know? And, and he going a little deaf, you know? And so they say, if you get another dog, it'll help long, in, you know, lengthen their life. So I was like, good. Let's lengthen my baby life. And I love my new dog. His name is Roman. So I got Bishop and Roman. And Roman is an American pit. And when I tell you he is gorgeous, he is gorgeous. And he is big. And his paws is about as big as my hand. And I can't wait for him to get 100 plus pounds. We're going to weigh the same. It's going to be amazing. Hello? He's adorable. He's a love bug. He just cuddles and squishes. Bishop ain't into that lovey stuff. Bishop would come, sniff you, want you to pet him, and then run off and do his own thing. He was, when I got him in my life at the time, I was very independent, and now he is very independent. I did. Now, with the passing of my mother, I am very dependent. Hello, somebody. More dependent. That, have you ever had your personality change in such a way? You'd be like, who is this? What I never wanted to be was be weak. And now I am feeling so weak in so many areas. But that, that's life. Hello, somebody. I'm slower in the brain. I'm, I walked outside the other day, and I forgot a shirt. No, I forgot to put on my shirt. I'm in the car. Get ready to get on the highway. I'm like, I feel different. I look down, oh, just a sports bra and a little sheer undergarment. I was like, this is, this is not my outfit. <laughs> I joke about it now, but you can imagine when oh, you go from a very keen brain to a not so keen brain. The thing you always didn't want to be, you're now that. So I got Roman and I'm dependent and he is mushy. He is a love bug. All he wants to do is be held and cuddled, and he is huge, and he depends on me, and I depend on him. And see, he has a different upbringing than what Bishop had. Hello? But the truth of the matter is, Roman is a puppy, which means when it's time for him to go out and play, he will eat things that he's not supposed to eat, and he does not sense yet that this is poisonous. Y'all don't want to play fair today. Hello, somebody. You think you can identify poison. Hello, somebody. I'm preaching already. You think because I am grown, I should be able to identify what is poisonous and what's not good for me. You think you have the ability to identify where Satan begins to mix in the lies to your truth. Hello, somebody. But I'm here as your pastor to tell you, baby, that sensing has not been restored and built in you yet. So you are dependent on me to tell you, put that down. Don't eat that. Spit that out. That is not good. And after a time, if you don't listen to me, then you will ingest it. Hello, somebody. And now you over here hacking and throwing up. Now you got to be delivered from demonic spirits and presuppositions. Hello, somebody. But I told you a long time ago not to eat that. Now you're beginning to feel your body heave and hurl as your spirit man got to let some of this evil out. And it's all because you were disobedient. But in the end, you will be trained very clearly on discerning good from evil. As of yet, you don't know what parts you've taken in that just evil. They smelt good, looked good, seemed fine. But when you finally disobeyed and went for it, 
said what you weren't supposed to say, do what you weren't supposed to do, act in the way you weren't supposed to act, that thing after a while starts gurgling in your stomach. Hello, somebody. And pain starts happening. Hello? And everything in your body starts to push that thing out. Hello? It's my job to tell you why that is. This pain in your life is because you did this. And I know you're thinking, but that, that just seems so normal. It seems so right. Mm-hmm. And then here's the result. That's the result of that? Yes. Now, you could disagree, come up with your own hypothesis about why you vomited, about why you went through this pain. Hello, somebody. But at the end of the day, if you're wrong, you never get discernment to identify the poison. And what's going to end up happening? You're going to eat it again. You're going to eat it again because you never believed or trusted that I told you that this happened because of that thing that you ate. And you're going to say, nah, uh, that's not really, it wasn't really what I think. You know, for me, I know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because that little part of you won't fully receive what I'm trying to show you about truth and lies, that you end up going right back to like a dog returning to its vomit. You go right back to it, and you can't understand why you got cycles in your life. You can't understand why you keep going around the same mountain. You can't understand why you keep going, because I'm trying to tell you that what you think is not poison is poisonous to your system I appreciate better you acting today but if you rely on your senses your sensibilities that have been dulled it's not gonna work or even immature not matured yet it's not gonna work I have no desire to keep you from good food I have no desire to keep you from good blessings but if I smell it I say that don't smell right. My dad got a keen sense. Anytime I ever question something in the refrigerator, I just give it to daddy. Daddy, smell this. Yeah, that's good. Daddy, I couldn't do this as a kid. I'd end up eating stuff that tear my stomach up. Because, you know, you get greedy. Oh, I'm going to eat this. I'm going to eat this. But daddy could smell it. Nah. Yeah. Like, is meat supposed to smell like this? And it needs to be right on the edge. You know, right on the edge. Not horribly rotten, but enough to make... That you kind of, I can't remember, is this actually how meat smells? But somebody that is very proficient with meat, who deal with it every day, they can tell you, that's not right. That, that's not right. Hello, somebody. And they make it very plain to you that that's not right. Hello? Since I don't deal with it every day, I really don't know. So then a keen person could say, mm -mm, don't eat that. And I know people that be like, it's going to be fine. And then they got the bubble guts. Hello, somebody. And that's what I'm trying to tell you here is that you need to trust the professionals. Hello, somebody. With identifying the poison that could be in your life. And who will be the professional? People that deal with those types of poisons on a consistent basis. I deal with the issues of your life consistently with other people. I have no desire to keep you from a good thing. I have a desire to keep you from a bad thing. But you're just so lustful and greedy that you'll go around my instructions. Hello, somebody. And then you got to learn the hard way. All right. I'm already preaching today. Hello. And we already preaching. Daddy, we ain't even got in. Let's get into it. We're starting a new series. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We already in it, guys. All right. This is the new series entitled The Acts of the Saints. The Acts of the Saints. 
the Acts of the Saints. Part one, what shall I do? What shall I do? What step should I take? What move should I make? Oh, Lord, what shall I do? I can't really sing. Sister Ned, don't, don't bleed out. I can't sing. This is, this is just for show. This is just for funny. Okay. Okay. But I don't, I don't want you to think, oh, she can kind of sing. No, I cannot. But you know, I'll try something. I need anointing. And in any minute, I feel the presence of God. I'm like, what shall I do? What step should I take? What move should I make? Oh, Lord, I know you come through. I'm going to wait. Come on, somebody. On a blessing from you. I have nothing to lose. Oh, Lord, I know you come through. You know, I you know, I go out there with the Lord. I don't even care. I am crazy enough to try some anything with him. When I feel his presence, boy, I can walk on water. Ooh, it's Pentecost Sunday. Y'all ain't come to play. Y'all ain't come to have church today. Y'all ain't come to have church today. I want to see these miracle signs and wonders. The Acts of the Saints. Now, we have done a series for half the year on the, on the order of Melchizedek, the priestly order of Melchizedek, the priestly order that was before the Levites. And in essence, what it means to be a royal priest. And our entire year is themed about what it means to be a royal priesthood. And so now we've understood in the, the order of Melchizedek. We understood Christ um, coming after the order of both prophet, king, and, uh, and, and priest and high priest, and that, that we're supposed to be reflecting this, and that uh, the order of Melchizedek, that covenant was struck with bread and wine back in the book of Genesis, and then it is restruck again when Christ comes back in the communion, right? And for the entire uh, study of the book of Hebrews, we've had communion every Sunday as we're pouring into understanding what we're called to be as royal priests. Now that we understand the definition of the royal priesthood, uh, what we're called to be, how do we actually do it? And the book of Acts, which is where our series, this series is going to come from, the Acts of the Saints, begins to reveal what saints did as they walked in their royal priesthood. How, what they did. Because it's, it's one thing to know what you're supposed to be. It's one thing to know that God has purpose for you. It's one thing to know that he wants to establish you. But what do you actually do in that is, is completely different and that thing can get all wonky and most Christians fall by the wayside hello somebody because they're trying to figure out how do I do this hello somebody and how, how, what shall I do in these situations we end up getting trapped we end up getting left behind battered bruised because we can't figure out as a Melchizedekian priest what we're supposed to to do and how we're supposed to do it hello somebody so this is part one of the acts of the saints entitled what shall I do for our media team it is my attempt to give every part a new name so that way we don't have to worry about the numbers <laughs> the acts of the saints part one what shall I do all right let's go to Acts chapter 2 verse 43 on this day of Pentecost the Pentecost uh, Begin in Acts chapter 2. Uh -huh. Acts chapter 1, 
is pretty much the disciples, the apostles. Christ has been, has ascended to heaven. He's revealed himself for many days and has ascended to heaven that he might uh, be with the Father. He's revealed himself, taught, and illuminated scripture to all of the apostles and his disciples. And toward the, the end of him is his revelation to them that he has thus risen from the dead. He makes his grand ascension into heaven. On his last words, he tells his disciples, after showing himself risen, after expanding upon scriptures and the gospel, he, he tells his disciples, now I want you to go back to Jerusalem. All right. We've gathered on Mount Olivet. We've been out here expanding the gospel, gathering together. Now you go back to Jerusalem. Go back to that upper room where we had our Passover supper. And you wait for the Holy Ghost. I am leaving. And he ascends into heaven. And the disciples go to Jerusalem. While they're in Jerusalem, and all of them are gathered in the upper room, they recognize that there are now only 11 disciples. And they pull from scripture to discuss that there needs to be 12. God called 12 of the innermost out of all the disciples. All right? Those 12 disciples, Judas was one. And Judas of Iscariot betrayed Christ. And the disciples recognized that there was order and purpose behind Christ establishing 12. So through scripture, they recognize that when there's one that sins against the father, his position is given to another. And so they said, we need to fill that 12th spot. So in discussions, they proposed two different people to fill that spot. The lot fell on Matthias, and he became numbered amongst the 12 apostles. This is a big deal, because this means that Matthias has been there with countless other disciples. Approximately about 120 are gathered. And out of 120, two are pulled to say, now these two, they get it. They get it. They understand it. They, they've been here from day one. They've seen it. They have the right spirit. Now, who is making this, this selection? The, 12, the 11 remaining. See, what people don't recognize when it comes to church order and structure, and there is such, hello, somebody, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. When you're selected to be amongst the inner circle, of leadership, that's a big deal. Hello, somebody. This means that you are scrutinized, you are watched. Hello, somebody. You are overseen because you have to be the example to every, to the rest of the 120 that's out. You understand what I'm saying. And then if anything falters, we can pick from you to fill that spot. So you got to be ready. My issue with my leadership inner circle is that they is not always ready. They faltering like they have not been selected to be a close disciple, making choices as if they have not been. And how do you know you're close? Because you spend days upon days with me. What do you think that's for? It's for discipleship. So if there's any problems in the body of Christ, I've got to select few that know how to stand and weather the storm, that know how this thing is supposed to go, that have the spirit of God that has passed through me to them, have a spirit of understanding, a spirit of discernment, a spirit of, of truth, a spirit of excellency. Now you over here being inaccurate, ungrateful, selfish, conceited. You cannot be in this circle. Doesn't work that way. There's a higher calling to that. And I'm a truth person. I tell you off the top, baby, you can't go with me like this. I don't even hide it from you. Flat out. When you're in that circle, you, are you close? You want to, look, you get to pick it, I get to pick it. You pick to draw close, I pick to allow you to draw close. 
you don't want to be close, you ain't got to be close. If I feel you can't be close, you're not. And the funny part about it is you will never know that I chose. You will still be thinking you chose it. Oh, my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Lord has no need for you. We're done. Hello, somebody. When he has need, you're called. Hello, somebody. I want to be the person that I'm always top of the list. Can I be on that 11 top of the list, please, please, please? If you're going to use anybody, use me, oh God. Matthias was selected. Can you imagine being him? Who? It's 12. The 12 apostles. It's the 12 tribes of Israel. Heaven is fashioned with the memories of the 12 apostles. You, you get gates with your name on it in heaven. Saints look at you and go, oh. for generations, oh. What a mighty man of God. Oh, oh, his life blessed me, didn't he? Oh, yeah, his life was a blessing, you know. Oh, the time he was slain, oh, man, that was, that was beautiful. You know how he pushed through? Oh, oh, oh. Who don't want that? Hello? Oh, we just want cars and houses, and I'm about to talk about that. Hold on, let me, let me move on. I'm, I'm going real slow today. I missed y'all last week. Herb Minister Monifa did an excellent job. So grateful to her hard work and labor and faithfulness. All right, so the fear of the Lord, let's go, Acts, what I say, Acts chapter 2? Yeah. Our key scripture for today, we're going to look at many scriptures in the verse, in the book of Acts chapter 2, but I want us to highlight and pull out for today. The fear came, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 43. This, this verse alone, before I go back to the beginning of Acts, uh, this verse alone shows me something here. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. When I first started this church, we saw many signs and wonders, did we not? We saw many signs and wonders. We saw babies that were given diagnoses that could not be solved or fixed, cured instantly. We saw healings of bones and limbs and swellings. Hello, somebody. We saw all kind of manifestations of deafness healed and restored, all types of things that we saw in the beginning of this church. And then as our years progressed, we saw less and less of these signs and wonders. And I said, well, Lord, what's going on? Are we shifting something? Do you only want me to teach and to prophesy? Are signs now toward the end of the day is becoming less and less and less? And he said, no, not necessarily. The only, it's not because of the time that signs are becoming less. It's because the people lack fear of the Lord. And if you look at Christianity in a whole in America, there is definitely a lack of the fear of the Lord. You know, I'm always baffled and by those that can choose to sin. Christians that say, I know it's not right, but. I know I shouldn't, but. And I always marvel at these people as a believer myself because I'm thinking, how? How do you have the guts, the pride, the stamina, the disillusionment, the ignorance, the, the wound, enough to say, I know this is not what God wants for me, but I'm going to do it anyway. I could never fathom 
that a person could choose to do such a thing and call themselves a Christian. I understand sinning and not intending to. Huh? I don't understand purposefully knowing the truth and then walking. But yeah, I understand it. I am just baffled. Because there is a part of you, and I, when I did it, that says, I don't fear him. Now, now, let's take him from up here in the clouds, abstractly, and put him as a real, a real person. If there was a person in your life, maybe a king, a president, and he had knowledge of everything that you did, cameras everywhere, spies anywhere, always knowing what you do, right? And he also, with that knowledge, had the power to make your life good or bad, to bring blessings or curses. He could he give you favor or he could bring you to demise. You could apply for a job, be overly qualified, and still not get it. He could do all kinds of stuff. Do you understand? You could work, 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 and then instantly something happens and all your money is gone. Hello, somebody. He just had that type of pull that he could maneuver things in your life in such a way that good outcomes and bad outcomes happen, that he could see all things and know all things about every which way you went and all the things that you did. And he, was part, he, he counted his responsibility to make sure he kept close eye on you. How would you respond to this individual? Would you be like, I mean, whatever. I mean, what, I mean, I'm going to do what I'm going to do me. You know, I know, he, you know, the president may not like it, but whatever. Or would you be like, no, I can't, you know, the camera, he might see me. Uh-uh, I'm trying to, uh-uh, I ain't trying to go down that path. See, this is so amazing to me that you serve a God that knows not just your externalities, but he knows on the inside the kind of thoughts. He's got cameras on the inside looking at your thoughts and your processes and how you thought. He said, I know your thoughts are far off. He can look on the inside and see how you came to this conclusion and all the evilness that was working on the inside of you to produce this lackluster salvation. And you don't run to the altar to purge and to cleanse that out of you. No fear of God whatsoever. I know people that come to the altar, look, I don't know why I don't feel no better, but what I ain't gonna do is play with God, I feel his presence. I may not be right, but he's around here. People can be in the presence of God nowadays, children, adults, and have no fear. They don't honor the house of God. They don't honor the people of God. They don't honor the preached word. They don't honor the altar call. Nothing is holy or sacred any longer until you say it's holy and sacred. And that can't be right. It only matters when you feel it matters. It's only important and holy when you're ready for it to be important and holy. And if you're not in that headspace, then it's not even important. It's not even holy. You can go to the bathroom. You can text on your phone. You can zone out. You can fall asleep. It doesn't really matter because it's not really that important until you have an epiphany. And when I, as the pastor, say, uh-uh, you can't be doing God that kind of See, you just religious. You need some religion. You need some religion. I know people, this is not a very, pro, this is not very, pro, people aren't going to like this, okay? You need religion. I'm going to prove it to you in Acts on the what shall I do. Hello, somebody. 
because you don't really have a discernment for poison unless you've been trained. Y'all don't want to y'all don't want to play fair today. You don't know evil. You remember you understand what I'm saying. You really thought Satan had a good idea with your silly self. Well, that does make sense. And it does feel right to me. So you're going to go down that path. Because God is such a sweet God. Because you know you can ask for repentance and be, and be forgiven. So let me get this straight. We're supposed to be created in his image. Hello? And through Christ being transformed and renewed and reborn into the image that he originally had for us from the inside out. The final stage being our outside bodies being resurrected into glory. Yes? But from the inside out. We're supposed to be created in his image. But rather than us, thank you, Jesse, rather than us being created in his image, you then decide to recreate him in your image. Because he will forgive. Because I can say I'm sorry. Because he understands. And how many current Christian believers go to church every Sunday recreating God into their image? What you think about him, how you think he would feel, how you perceive he would handle your situation. Never really seeing the hand of God, the power of God move in your life because you've already reduced him to what you feel. Somebody is serving an idol and somebody is serving the one true living God. The idol you created about God because the word makes it very plain who he is and what he is. Do you remember in the book of Acts that we just talked about in chapter one? These were all disciples. And when Peter began to preach that we're going to get into in chapter two, he preached to monk amongst many Jewish disciples, Jewish believers. The Jews that came for Passover and they were all there thousands upon thousands. And he was speaking to a Jewish audience, which makes it very clear that if you really want to know God, you have to know him as he presented himself in the Old Testament before you can accept his grace and his gift because every believer that takes the grace and the gift of the spirit of God doesn't know what to do with it unless you understood and were trained by the law Christ was a Jew all his disciples were Jews not Gentiles because they had a very keen understanding and fear of God as they began to wrestle with the Messiah and understanding him being the Christ but now Gentiles are brought into the faith with such lackluster teaching about holiness and the fear of the Lord and specific, direct obedience. So we sit, well, I know it ain't right, but, you know. Well, I mean, I know it's not bang up, but. I mean, look how far you've slid from holiness. You remember when you first got saved? You wouldn't even thought to do half the stuff you've been doing. Not anywhere near it. Hello, somebody? You wouldn't have been smoking weed. You wouldn't have been clubbing. You wouldn't have been drinking. You wouldn't have been taking sexy pictures with your, with your stuff all out. When you first got saved, you wouldn't even thought to do half of that. I know, because I've been there. Uh-uh, that, uh-uh, that ain't right. That ain't right. That, then look, now look how far the line has been pushed back. Uh, any, hello, anybody there? Yeah. Things you would never consider back in the day 
are now normal occurrences to your salvation under the guise that is freedom. Then I'm free. Hello? Let me tell you something. You may not vomit today, but the Lord is faithful to you, you will vomit. If he is faithful and merciful, you will. I mean, because uh, Roman, he ate a, a, a wipe. I, I wipe his paws and his boo-boo when he, you know, wipe them off when he come in. Somehow he got a hold of one of them wipes, and he ate it, and I didn't know it. Days later, he throws it up. I know exactly what it is. That probably expand, and helped me understand why he looked so bloated all of a sudden. He didn't know it. I didn't know it. But when it came out, we all knew. You ate this wipe. I don't know when. I don't know how long. But you took that in. The only thing I could say was, I'm grateful, as I told you tonight, I'm grateful that he threw it up. I'm grateful that he hurled, that he tightened, that he had to go through pain and suffering to get this thing out of him. Because if he didn't get it out now and it would have remained in there, I would have had a vet visit. I would have I could have lost the thing. That I, I love this dog. Much more pain, much more anguish, and the possibility of it being terminal. It was grace and mercy that he vomited and threw it up. And God is trying to get you guys to throw up some stuff, to hurl at some things, but you keep swallowing it back down because you're so afraid of having that empty feeling in your stomach. You're so afraid of having that emptiness in your life. I don't want to go back to that pain. I don't want to go back to not having. But baby, what you're full of is not good for you. And what satisfies you is not satisfying. We need you to throw this up. You need to get that out of you. After you throw up, you feel better from the pain of throwing up. But you do have emptiness in that, in that tummy. Don't you feel it? But you, sometimes you're like, oh, I just want to be empty. <laughs> just let it be empty right now. <laughs> just let it be empty. I don't, don't put nothing else in there. I don't want nothing else. Just let me just enjoy emptiness. Who would have thought? That with all of your striving to fill that hole, with all of your striving to fill that, to satisfy that, that you would have actually gotten happy about the idea that it was empty, that there was nobody in your bed, that there was nobody on the phone, there was no drink in your hand, there was no cigarette between your fingers, there was no liquor in your body. You actually got happy that you're empty. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Because for a moment... You found peace. Peace from the hunt to satisfy this emptiness and then peace from the pain of trying to pull out that poison. And for just a moment, you found peace. And you don't want to do nothing to disturb that. You want to eat? Mm -mm -mm. You, you want to try to? Mm -mm -mm. You want to go down? Mm -mm -mm. And then somebody has to introduce the right things to your system. Slowly, but surely, huh? They got to say, how now, hey, now. You want to try a little bit of this? I don't know. Well, go ahead. Okay, that good. All right. Well, okay, should I eat this? No, 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 no. We're not there yet, okay? No meat. Just a little rice, all right? A little bit of this. A little, real easy. Okay, I'm ready for No, you're not ready for nothing. You're not ready for anything. 
Okay. I want to be fired up for the Lord. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, just eat this. Take that little bit right there. Let's see how that does in your system. What we're really testing is, is all the poison gone? Let's see how this does in your system. Take this truth. Take that. Well, I need to do this. And it, mm, we ain't worried about that right now. We're worried about this. Just this much. Can you do this much? Let's see how you digest that before we start just trying to change everything about our lives. You know how you do. When you finally realize you got that out, now you want to change everything. And somebody keep telling you, how about we just focus on one thing right now? This one thing? And you're like, no, this, this, I need to get this together. And, and, and you're, you, you're not recovered for this. And more specifically, we have not tested that the poison is out. Because when you go to try to change all of these things, can I just be real? When you go to try to change all of these new things in your life, you start taking in a lot of stuff. And as you're taking in so much stuff and there's still poison, then everything good is also going to be rid while it's trying to get rid of the poison. So what we don't do is we don't give you a whole bunch of good until all the poison is out. Hello? Right. So let's just try this much. Let's see how you do with that. You holding that down? That's staying in there? All right, good. Let's try a little bit more. You say, I feel better. I know. So you just start taking everything in. Now you're trying to change your job, trying to change your life, trying to change your house, trying to change the car. You're trying to change so much because you feel your strength coming. But if that poison is still there, everything you put down is going to be destroyed. And some of you have had this. You have experiences where most of what you ingested is gone but not all of it. And if you're blessed or favored, God might allow you to walk beside somebody, maybe a pastor or such, hello somebody, that will walk with you as you start eating new foods. So now how you feel about that? Now how you feeling? How you dealing with that? How's that going? Now how you, how's that, how you doing? Now how you, how you processing this? All I'm really saying is, now I done fed you something on Sunday, how you feeling today? How you handling that? Oh, you threw it all up? You back to the same stuff? You went back to it? Okay, we ain't ready. We ain't ready. I'm not going to add no more. We're going to keep working on the same thing to get that same thing out. But if I leave it up to you, you're going to add a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-mm. We're going to walk beside you and see how you're processing, digesting, receiving. Hello, somebody. You start, it ain't what I gave you that's the problem. It's what's in you. And ain't that the truth about Christianity? People are automatically assume, uh-huh. People automatically assume that something the pastor ain't doing ain't right. She ain't, she ain't handling me right. She ain't doing us right. Not recognizing it ain't what I'm doing, it's what's in you. It ain't what I'm doing, it's what's in you that ain't right. Is the food bad or your stomach bad? Hello? You better not say this food bad. This food good. What's wrong with you? <laughs> this food got proof. No, no, because if you really had to test it. No, no, let me just go ahead and clean it up for you. Let me show you. Let me, let me show you how you can tell. Because if you really had to test whether it was your stomach or the food, what is the fruit that comes from the food? Does the food do well? Like what came from what I, what I feed, what I give, the seed of it? Does the seed produce more goodness? Because I got proof that this word produces truth and life. Now you've got proof currently in your life that your insides produce sin. Hello? 
if your insides produce sin, you cannot blame it on the food that you... If you see sin and doubt and shame and guilt and lying and deception and impatience and anger and bitterness come from your life, don't you dare blame it on the food. It don't make no sense. It's just Satan trying to distract you from dealing with you. You don't even qualify to examine this yet. He's trying to get you to act grown and you ain't grown. Now bear, now bear in mind, I want grown saints. Hello? Let me clarify that. I wish I had more mature saints. I got a church full of young people, old and, old and, old and young. I got young saints. I wish I had mature saints. Saints that could undergird. Saints that ain't in conflict. Saints that can receive easily. Saints that can serve with fire and ferocity and tenacity. Oh, how I wish I had mature saints. But I got a church full of babes. It's all right. We're going to do it. Hello? We're going to get there. We're just not there yet. It is not my desire to tell you what to do. I don't want to police you, baby you. And when I try to tell people, can't you figure this out on your own? What? What am I supposed to say? I don't know, but can you not see your own mess? I want you to get to the point where you see your own mess, and I don't have to point it out to you. Where can I get some saints that can say, I've been communing with the Father, and I saw for myself I was insensitive, I was selfish, I was egocentric, I was lustful, I was a little deceptive, a little bit manipulative. I was trying to be, I want you to see it for yourself. I don't want to have to tell you. It's not me that wants to tell you what to do, because I don't want you to be a babe. I can get more done with you mature. I can never do with you. I am not codependent. I don't need you to need me. I just want to serve God. Have no desire to be needed. But every heart to serve. Do you understand? And I feel like I can serve better if more of us was mature. Then everybody walking in their calling. Everybody walking in their gift. Everybody moving and shaking. Do you understand? And now we're looking like a bossed up church and a bossed up team. My people over here going to work, saving souls, bringing in souls, raising the children. Got all kind of stuff happening. This is boss. But no, no, no. And then when I try to grow you up, you think that I'm trying to stop you from growing. That doesn't even make no sense. You're trying to stop me from, I need to figure this out on my own. Because when I actually call for you to do an adult thing, a mature saint thing, you can't do it. You don't believe me until the sin. I keep telling you, you're not there yet. I'm grown. Mm -hmm. You don't believe it until there's sin. Then when it manifests as direct disobedience, now you believe that that immaturity had been there from day one. Hello? But the joy about the kingdom of God is whether you're the top of the labor force or coming at the bottom, back at the end of the labor force, we all get the same reward. Nobody cares when you get there. Just get there. 
Nobody cares how long it takes. Just arrive. Hello? All right. Am I? All right. Let me move on. Y'all not interested in that point. I'll go on to something else. Let's, let's move on. Y'all like, mm-hmm, yeah, 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 yeah. I got to mature. How? Let's get into that. So in Acts chapter 1, they, uh, they selected a new apostle to fill that gap that was beautiful. By the time we get to Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, this is Acts chapter 2, verse 1, they were all on one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were seated. Then there appeared to them uh, divided tongues as of fire, let me back up. And they filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them the divided tongues, divided tongues as of fire, and set on them each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now let's stop right there. Moving forward, then in the crowd of thousands that began to hear, they were attracted to the noise. I've heard a sound like that before. Surprisingly enough, I heard this sound in the midst of sin. I had just fallen into sin, sexual sin. I was laying in my bed, and a train, it sounded like a train came rushing through my bedroom. And my fear just gripped me. I clung to the sheets. Later, I came to recognize that at that particular point, intercessors had been praying that exact same time, that exact same day. They had no idea that I sinned. They just thought I was sick because I said I wouldn't come to church because I was sick. They're praying for my healing. But what really God was sending angels on my behalf to free me from what I didn't even know I, was going, I had the propensity to be bound to. Angels came charging in that day. Was my deliverance instantly seen that day? Unfortunately, no. But it was assured that when the angels of God begin to work, they always win. They always win. They always win. The fact that I'm standing before you today as your pastor is an indicator that they won. Hello, somebody, where I no longer fall into sexual sin through discouragement or lust. Hello, somebody, that I stand upright and holy before the Father, still yet single, still yet serving. Hello, somebody, and still yet holy. You have testimony that that train coming through of this mighty rushing wind of saints and prayers and, and the sounds of their voices and the saints of God and the angels rushing to begin war on my behalf. The Father does the same for you. Hello? He'll do the same for you. But in the, when the sound was heard, it was heard by everyone in the community, and thousands began to rush toward where the disciples are. And some marveled at the fact that they were speaking in the tongues and the languages of their places. Now, you remember Jerusalem, Israel had been dispersed between many, between many nations, and for many, many years, 400 plus years, they had been in other nations on the disbursement, right? The, what's it called? Yeah, dispersion, dispersion. 
diaspora, thank you, <laughs> on the diaspora. So now when they come for the holy Passover, they're coming from all nations, still knowing that they're Jewish, but definitely in other nations, speaking other languages and, and grew up and raised in these nations, right? So now they have other languages, but they still know the language of their people, Arabic, and they still are very familiar with that. But for the most part, they have their own language. And so when they hear their disciples speaking in their own language, country after country after country after country, everybody hears a disciple prophesying in their language and this was before the internet and these people are not there from there so they could not have learned that language and yet they are speaking in it and many of them marveled and said what is this what does this mean and then some said well they're drunk yes and Peter he stands up after now being filled with the Holy Spirit and he begins to preach to the to the men of Israel the elders and he raises his voice and he shows from the prophet Joel the Old Testament, books of the Pentateuch and the Talmud, he begins to teach and talk to them about how Christ that was born and crucified, he was the actual Messiah. And that, that this Jesus had to die. And that he had to be crucified and he had to raise from the dead. And he began to reveal through their teachings how he fulfilled these, the, the prophecy of being the Messiah in Christ. Does that make sense? Go on down to verse. Twenty three. Verse twenty three of Acts two. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Stop right there. So he's saying, now, this Jesus, this Jesus that you crucified was the prophet, the prophecy, the fulfillment of what Joel said. He goes on down to talk about how David prophesied that you will not uh, allow your holy one to see corruption, that he would, he, he would have to rise because he's the holy one. And even though we didn't understand what that meant then, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, now that you've heard and seen from countless testimonies, I've seen him physically raised from the dead. Now you know that this is a fulfillment of that. Right? He says, now what, what Christ did was he loosed the pains of death. This phrase gets me. Because the word, the pains of death, is really better defined or translated as the labor pains. Now what gets me about this is that labor pains typically indicate life, right? Yes. That you labor to produce life. But this phrase is saying that there's labor pains of death, that there's pain and pushing towards death. I don't think y'all want to want to help me here today that Christ dying on the cross somehow ended the bounds or the the binding or the cords of what the labor pains do as if something is being pushed to death It's the labor pains of death not the labor pains of life it's the labor pains of death and so when I examined this I said well he set us free to be born into life yeah but we set us free from being born into the death. Here's a travailing that is happening as all of creation is being pushed 
into death. Now, when did this, this binding, this contraction of trying to push creation and fallen man into death happen? Go back to Genesis chapter 2. Excuse me, Genesis chapter 3. When you're there, say amen. Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become, that man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat it and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden and a flaming sword. And it turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. Stop right there. Something happened in Genesis where the children, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the knowledge of tree of good and evil, their eyes were opened. Has anybody ever seen a baby open their eyes for the first time? Their eyes are opened into this new place. A birthing took place in Genesis. And it's obvious it didn't take place to life because the tree of life was guarded lest they live forever but a birthing took place nonetheless. And it seemed so easy. I mean, they just slipped into death. Y'all don't want to help me today. It wasn't no grand thing. About, I ate something. Okay, things are different. This is way different. Feel a little different, seeing things a little different. All right, but not a lot of pain. I don't see any pain. Hello? Y'all don't want to help me today. In order to get to new life, there's pain. But in order to get into death, it seems effortless. Y'all don't want to. It seems like when you want to do wrong, it's easy to do wrong. Things line up for you to do wrong. Things are made easy for wrong. I wasn't even thinking about him and he just called. I wasn't even going over there and it just happened. I wasn't even going to do that. Oh, 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 you think this is from God with your silly self. This is not from God. Death is easy to walk into. Broad is the gate, narrow is the path. Narrow is the way. Death is easy. Death is simple. If death was painful to get into, nobody would go. Sin is easy. Look how easy it is for you to convince yourself to do wrong. See how easy that is? Then when you back that at the end of it and realize how wrong it was, what in the world? Why didn't I think about that? Why didn't I feel what I feel now? Why didn't I feel it then? Why didn't I have the same kind of pump my brakes? Why, what if I would have saw this then? Uh -huh, because death is easy to slide into. Some of y'all need to know that because you think it's supposed to be hard to sin. It ain't. It's very easy. Very easy. Hello? Adam and Eve was drove. They were driven out. Pushed. Contracted. Squeezed out, get out of this garden of Eden where all the life is, get out there. Go on out there. When God said you'll surely die, everything that we're seeing is dying. The curse that Adam and Eve thus received as a consequence, and the curse is thereafter, but for both Adam and Eve, meant that everything that they would enjoy that would produce life comes with pain. 
in order to do the things to live, it will come with pain. Who wouldn't love working and producing if it was not labor intensive? If you could just, then flowers grow. If you could just, and trees in abundance. If you could just look at something and go, and water and new life just flow. Who wouldn't love creating and making things abundant and beautiful? Who wouldn't love going out and just wiping your hand and all of a sudden streams and, and water and seeds flow and blossom and, and you, just, you just touch something and all of a sudden buildings begin to emerge and stones are hewed and, and, you can, and as much as you could see and imagine is as much as you could possibly do and as much as you set your heart to, those things and all of creation begin to bend and move with your desire to create according to the will of the Father. Just as hell is eternal damnation and death, perpetual death, heaven is perpetual life. But the joy is that now the things that we are prone, designed to love, which is life, be fruitful and multiply. That now we get to do it without pain. When we surely died in the Garden of Eden, that means in order to live, in order to produce the things and to do the things that pertain to life, it will be painful. You want to eat? Till. Till hard. No, not just going and tending to the garden. Back breaking. Push and sweat. Now, how many people feel that if you would make it easier, I would also love that too? Anybody ever felt that way? If you would make it easy, I would love that too. Now we know in our fallen state, if you make it easy, we will overdo it. But what if that could be removed? What if the tendency, the iniquity to when it's easy that we overdo it is removed? Hello, somebody. That if you made it easy for me, I will still stay within the bounds to please you. You don't even have to make it hard. Hello, somebody. You ain't even got to make me suffer. What if that part of you could be removed and thus you could walk into the abundance of what God has created and how he created? Men and women of God, we are not there. That is not where we live. And God desires to birth us into that new creation. But in order to get that, we have to deal with the fallen state that we live in, where things that produce and promote life are painful. Childbirth, food, hello somebody. Anybody ever recognize, I just bought a whole new house. When I tell you that was the most painful process ever imaginable, I said, I don't ever wanna do this again. Then I got on, like, oh, maybe I might try it again. But it was horrible. I was like, why you give me this blessing? Then it comes with so much pain. So much stress. All he can say is breathe. Just breathe. Breathe through it. Just breathe. Just trust me. Just trust me. I don't even want the house. It's too much pain. Just trust me. Just breathe. It's going to be all right. Just breathe. And here I am. Mm -mm, forget this. Cut. Oh, nope. Ain't coming out of me. <laughs> Shut it down. Too much pain. How many of you have aborted things in your life? Because the pain got too intense. You knew the path that he wanted you to take, but it got too intense. It got too hard. And when it got too hard, you quit. Huh? You said, forget that. That can't be the way. And you aborted the whole plan of God. 
And the world is set up to make you convince you that that was, that was a reasonable idea. We're going to get into that. Let's, let me keep moving. I'm, I'm slowing down. I need, to, I need to pick it up. All right? Okay. So he says he raised us, pains of death, blah, blah, blah. Yes. So we are born into death. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity, came out, everything is dying. This is not a place of life. This is a place of death. Yeah. All of creation that is not in the will of God is going to that place. We sit in our generation and we see murders after murders, evil after evil. And people are like, what are we supposed to do? What do you mean what are we supposed to do? This is the pains of death, of corruption, of things failing and ending and not having abundance and eternality. That's where this is going. What did you think this was? This, as we talked about last week, is a placeholder for the things that are spiritual. Yeah. It is here to make room for the spiritual things. It is here to carve out a space for those spiritual things. That's what it's here for. Why are you over here grieving over the doggone placenta? It was a placeholder. It's a placeholder for what spiritual things will remain here. That's all it is. And people are not recognizing. Why is the earth coming? And then the father says, I want to save you from this. From this death. I want to save you from this. Everything is all dying. Everything around you is dying. But I want to save you from it. I want to save you from that. Right? Mm -hmm. But some of us decide to think that somehow things aren't dying. And then we could uphold it. All of the humanist movement is trying to make sure that humans can uphold life in of themselves. That we can get smart enough, big enough, and high tech enough in order to sustain and keep man alive forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That's the dream. That's somehow, but what they don't recognize is even if you were able to build a tower to reach God himself, hello somebody, you won't get it in time for his judgment. Even if you were able to get all the biotechnology to extend the life of man, you are not able to get it in time for God's judgment before that thing is destroyed. All right? Okay, so let's go back. So Christ, when he died in Acts, he says he died and he loosed the pains, the, 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 the cords and the binding of death. He loosed it. So that now we can be free from the womb that is pushing us towards certain death. And be born anew as new creatures into life and life more abundantly. That the part of us that desires that we can participate in things that promote life. See, this is where you know Satan is at risk. I'm sorry, I'm taking my time. I, I really wish I could hurry up here. But this, because some of y'all are so be, 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 befuddled, bewildered, deceived by Satan, you don't even recognize his hand on stuff. God loves and created you to enjoy life. Yes? It's just not here like that. But the part of you that wishes to do things effortlessly, to see production, to take two steps forward and to be two steps forward, that's not where you live. 
And Satan is trying to convince you that he has solutions for that. There is no solutions to the curse of God, but what God says is a solution. There's no way around God's curses unless he creates a way. Your idea is not going to get you around the curse of God. If you think that you could save yourself from feeling lonely, that you could save yourself from being broke, that you could save yourself from being brokenhearted, that you, you cannot, these are all a part of the fallen state of creation. You are not capable of establishing a new way to circumvent the pains of death. Is this becoming clear? Can you say amen if it is? Because Satan convinces us that there is a way that we can circumvent what we don't like about living. There is no other way but Christ. The curse of the, to the ground being hard to till, the curse of, of childbearing being painful, the curse of having a husband desiring him but then him ruling over you. It's all very painful things for stuff you really want, for stuff you enjoy. That cannot be circumvented because the curse is a punishment and a decree from God's judgment on unrighteousness. You cannot escape that unless he provides a way. So New Testament saints are happy to hear that God has provided a way that will be effective. There's a way out of this. There's a way. There's something more. There's a way to get to it. But you're going to have to pass through death. But Christ is the assurance, and then he gives his, him your, his spirit is the guarantee that when you have to pass through death, when pains of death are gripping you in the grave, hello somebody, and they put your body down in the soil, there's something on the inside of you as a guarantee that says you cannot hold me here because Christ loosed me there. I walk this life with the spirit in me. Now the death, you don't own me. You can't keep me in your womb. I don't belong here. And just as you had to give up Christ because he was holy, he's given his spirit to me. And now you have to give me up too. And instantly the saints are raised from the dead. Their bodies are quickened and they become new creations in God. This is what we wanted. But look at how you, look at how you, you're slumming it. Look at how you become my precious. What's the man's name? Schmeagles. He's my precious. For every little earthly joy and every little false, faulty relationship, I just want somebody to hold me. I just want somebody to be in my life. I just need more money. I just need something. My precious. Trying to hold on to something that you thought would bring you so much life. And all it's doing is destroying you. That relationship ain't doing nothing but destroying you. You know it and I know it. When I come to do a test to say, is that still in you? It is. You want to be mad at me. I'm trying to help you vomit this thing out. That connection to this, this compulsive behavior is still running in you. I'm trying to help you know what? I'm tired of fighting you. Eat it. Eat it. 
But this time, I, what I did this time was I, I, I didn't do it all the way. I just, what I did is what I just, it, it. let me tell you something about the inner workings of the digestive system. If you have a bacteria that is bad for your system and you keep adding things to it, just a little bit that keeps it alive, it grows. And I keep trying to explain to you when you see it as small and it's not that big of a deal, you really feel like you've cut this out. You haven't cut anything out your diet. You just reduced it. But in time, it will multiply because that's what you do. You are being created by God to be fruitful and multiply. So whatever you put in you is what is going to do what? If you put a little bit of leaven, hello, somebody, what is it going to do? Multiply. It spoils the whole lump with your silly self. And I said, walk the straight line. Well, I mean, this would be good. Say no. Cut it off. Oh, just a little. Get a, don't walk away. Don't even. Uh, uh, uh. I mean, that may be good for some, but that's really not what I think the Father has for me. All I got to do is wait and watch that leaven rise. That's all I do. I sit back, don't I? How many, how many people have seen me watch you? Hold your hands up. Known and unknown, I'd be like, something ain't right with your spirit. Something ain't right with your spirit. I can watch you and see. Mm -mm. This thing ain't doing nothing but rising. You think you got it under control? You don't. Because how you controlled it was with faulty reasoning. You can't reason yourself delivered. You can't think yourself free. Come on, somebody. Somebody has to come and lay hands on you and say, be free. And you, you don't understand. It got to come from outside of you, baby. It ain't going to come from your reasoning and thoughts. Because when your reasoning and thoughts change, where are you back at the same point you were last time? Hello, somebody. You, you got to say, oh, my God, this is bigger than me. It's outside of me. Deliver me and save me from myself. You can't write yourself. The gospel you preach came from somebody else's hands. The apostles were given to give to you. Not you pondered and thought about it for yourself and then came to the realization that this is what I should do. And people that have that tendency in Christianity keep circling around the same mountain. People that are humble, like little children, tell me, what should I do? Those are the ones that are free. I'm preaching better y'all acting today. The idea of the pains of death of Christ becomes evident. You see his pain, similar to a woman travailing in labor, continued and lasted for days. It started in John chapter 12, verse 27. Now is my soul troubled. By the time we get to Matthew 26 and 37, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. And then finally, by the time we get to Luke 24 and 44, he's in the garden of Gethsemane being in agony. He prayed more earnestly with sweat as if it was great drops of blood. But yet and still the sharpest pains are yet to come. You see his labor as he is breaking forth under the pains of death. The constriction of this world encompassed all around him. The agony of soul, the agony of heart. Can you imagine 
And then it all culminates. Not, not only is he just closing around him, he could feel that the more good he did, the more he served, the more evil and corrupt Satan and God. The more and he could feel it around him where they knew that going back to Jerusalem would be, would be a death sentence. And he could feel it and he could know that this is all oh, this is coming. Oh, the pain. I could feel the pain like a woman travailing in labor. Oh, it's getting closer. Oh, the contractions are getting more. Oh, it's getting greater and greater and greater. I can feel it happening. And then it finally culminates with him being strung upon a tree. Come on, somebody. Nails in his hand. People scourging him and whipping him, taking all of what Satan is doing, putting all of that sin and iniquity on his own body. And then the top of the line, the epitome of all of the pain is his own God turns his back on him as he has to judge it as sin. Now I can't even feel your presence. Now I can't even feel you around me. It was one thing to have men turn their back. It was another thing to have my life fall apart. It was another thing to have my things fall off. It was one more thing to be betrayed by man. But now God God himself I can't even feel your presence I can't even feel you around me my God why have you forsaken me this holy mind this pure of heart cannot handle that type of pain could you imagine what that does to someone pure in intentions pure in heart to have to feel and to bear all of that when he said it was finished darkness covered and just when Satan thought he could lock it like every other man that ever lived the goodness and the holy of the father broke through like a light on a cloudy day shone through and could not be overtaken the light that is God and his holiness came shining through bursting through saying that I am true I am the one holy one and that one act alone destroying the bounds of death setting us free that says now when we come in and my body starts to shrivel and my knees start to ache and my heart is overwhelmed and my soul is aching and it seems like things are heavy and it seems like it's hard then all of a sudden light begins to shine through resurrection begins to hit my life when Satan covered me with sin and grief and pain started blocking me in, then true life starts shining through. And I have to say to my own self, it's finished, baby. I gotta say to my own sinful self, it's done. I gotta say to my pain, you're out of here. I gotta say to my grief, you're done. Light is shining through. Somebody's gonna resurrect me and it ain't gonna be me. It's gonna be you. It ain't going to be me. It's going to be you. Christians are being taught how to save themselves. Rather than being dependent on the saving power of God. And the methods and ways he chooses. If you don't understand the way or the method, you reject it. And so then you're taught how to save yourself which is really no salvation at all. 
Because holy cannot come from unholy. Come on, somebody. You were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. The only thing holy in us is the spirit of God. So, baby, let me tell you something. Your thoughts and your reasoning can't save you. Your justification and your theology and your doctrine, it ain't going to save you. Your understanding, your theology, and your metaphors ain't going to save you. But when you feel darkness start encompassing you and you feel the sorrow of your soul start turning in and you feel that you have no way out, even from yourself, you become a prisoner to your own body, a prisoner to your own mind, a prisoner to your own lifestyle. You need somebody to come and say, get up out of here. Get up out of here. Get up out of here. You don't do that on yourself with your beaver mind. Angels. Trains. Mighty rushing winds. Somebody is on alert because somebody need to be saved from what they don't even understand. There's a trap laid for them. Not one month, not two months, five years, ten years, fifteen years. He wants it to destroy you. But there's a train coming for you. To deliver and set you free. So take me by my hand and let's go. It's your pride. It's your pride. You feel like you know God too well to need me to lead you out. It's your pride. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you the truth. You feel like you don't need to be led. And for some of you, you feel like you got to please him so much that you got to do it on your own because you're afraid he won't love you. That's not the way he is. He already loved you. He loved you so much. He sent something called a pastor that will embody his spirit and lead you by your hand out of the sorrow and the darkness that is encompassing you. I wish a preached word would be sufficient. It is not to those who are called to be apostles. Those who are called to spread the gospel and to be the foundation of churches. The preached word is not sufficient. You have to live it and walk it beside somebody. See it and breathe it. Hello, somebody. If you every time you avoid that, you slip. You fall, you go back into your old life, and then you start to be convinced that somehow this is what was designed for you. I believe without help my unbelief, the perpetuation of all your failures make you begin to think that it was never designed for me, but I'm telling you that that is a lie from the pits of hell. The, the church of God, the harvest is plenty, and the laborers are few. And everybody in my house is called by God to be a laborer in the kingdom of God. Because I told the Father, I don't want to start no church with a bunch of babies that don't ever want to grow up. I need people that are willing to be soldiers. I need people that are willing to fight. I need people that are willing to live day in and day out. Hard choices, big choices, small choices. I need people that are willing to serve. Under great adversity. And to bring others with them. Under great adversity. 
This is, this is what you call a vital church. Come on and bless the name of the Lord. It's a vital church. When the Holy Spirit revealed this to me, what did he meant? You are the lifeline of other churches. The word you preach is the word other churches need. It's the first letter of the epistles for this day. It starts here and it's sent out. It's sent out for the 50,000 that are subscribers to our podcast. It's a vital small heart pumping, 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 constantly pushing out truth against sin, truth against temptation, truth against Satan, truth in your identity, truth in your calling, truth in your pain, truth. It's constantly pushing. It ain't got to be big to be vital. But it's got to work. This church has got to work. That's where your reproof from your giving came in. You're stopping the working of this church. God blesses you with money to give it here. Let me make this plain. He blessed you with money to give it here. It ain't for you with your silly self. Because when you ain't have no money, he provided for you. When you had no money, you, he provided for you. So when you do get money, it's not for you. It's not. It's not for you. It's for this. It's for the work. You don't even know the half of what. Janai had a chance to walk with me throughout this week. She said, Pastor, I had no idea this is all that you, you do so much in a day. I go to bed at 4 or 5, 3 in the morning. I wake up at 6. I start at 6. Y'all don't call me at that time. So I don't do that. You're staying same time as 10. That's what I tell you. That's what it is. <laughs> I, and I work. <laughs> Sit to the schedule. She up. No, don't be calling me. That ain't your time. That ain't your time. Your time starts around 9.45 at Pure Bar with Mama Jean and Jewel and 10 o'clock for the rest of y'all. That's when your time starts. My time is that time. It's for my puppies. It's my little makeshift family that I've created. Hello, somebody. Hello. <laughs> it's for my little inner tribe of furry babies. It's for us. It's for me to get my mind right. It's for me to lift this weight of grief that I have to carry every day. Hello, somebody. It's so that I can, so that I can have some joy when I see you and, and some encouragement for you when I get on the phone. It's, it's my time to be ready for you. You don't even know the half of what has to be done. And I work from sunup to sundown. And when everybody else is asleep, I'm still trying to handle all the stuff that I didn't get a chance to do because I was out on the roads doing other stuff. You don't know the half. The least you could do is give money. It's the least you could do. Not be selfish. Be generous. You learn to live off a little. Watch God give you more. You want to budget a $55,000 salary? Or do you want to budget a $250,000 salary? Do you want to live off of what you can with 55 and give God the rest? Or do you want to live off what you can with 200,000 and give God the rest? The heart of being a giver is not in the amount of money you make. It's in how you prioritize. 
The reason some of you cannot increase your money is because you have not increased on your priorities. So thus you're always stuck budgeting with little. This is a vital church. On the day of Pentecost, the vital church gathered and it was being assembled. And Peter stood up and began to preach that this Christ, this is the one. Look, look at the Old Testament. He was the Messiah. And the Jews that heard it, the Bible says, go on down to what's the next verse I want you to go to? Yes, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 37 of Acts chapter 2. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter began to preach. This Jesus that showed up with miracles, signs and wonders, displayed them before you. This is him that the scriptures prophesied. He was crucified to fulfill the scripture. And when they saw he was, it do. That would indicate, and he did. Have you ever seen the truth about what you've done? So blatant that you almost wanted to deny it. Like you, you, I just could it, it can't be that. I couldn't have been that. I could not have said that. I could not have acted like that. I could, that could not, did that really come? No, 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 it's gotta be something. And you start searching for some other explanation. Some other reasoning as to why. Because the truth is that it was revealed. He, he did do miracles, didn't he? Why didn't I see that? Have you ever said, why didn't I see that before now? I had it right in front of my face, and I didn't even consider it when I was living through that. And then here comes Peter with a preached word. It says, hey, this. And they had a choice. Some could walk away and deny it out of anger. Uh-uh, you don't understand me. That ain't, that ain't all what I did. That's, you think you know. And others were pricked right to the heart. They realized. Now, what's the thing is, what did they realize? The verse before it says something from our series last, uh, last month. The Lord said that for David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Peter is preaching this as proof that Christ had to die, had to be raised from the dead, according to Joel, and then had to ascend according to David. Now, this is strategic because when you tell me that he had to die. All right. I did take a part in that sin. OK, that's not good to know. All right. I'm right down pretty bad. I did not stand up for the Lord. I did not follow him. I did not obey. I did not seek him. I didn't even go any past my first thought to get the real truth. I just kind of went with the flow. Whatever your reasons are. Do you understand? And then you find out. Then he had to ascend. Hmm? He, he died. He was raised from the dead. The only reason he's not here is because he had to ascend, according to David. Where, where did he ascend to? Well, according to David, he ascended to sit on the right hand of the Father. For what? To make his enemies his footstool. Hmm? To make his enemies his footstool. Hmm? To make his enemies his footstool. Hmm? He ascended to heaven to let 
the death process. To let the death process start pushing and shaping and molding. And everything that is bound to it will stay bound. Oh, my enemies are going to rise to the surface. I'm going to shake everything that could be shook like Hebrews. I'm going to let everything that couldn't fall, fall. Everything that can be burned up, burned up. This whole thing is, going, is already sentenced to death. It will finish in death. And anything that can die will die. So I'm going to sit right here and let this play on out. Now, I provided a way of escape, a way through a Jordan, a way through a Red Sea. I provided a way through blood. I provided a way through baptism. I provided a way to get out. But as for all of the all of creation, it's going to sit here and die. That's the sentence to disobeying God. Death. Now, if you know you've sinned, and you know your sentence is death, why for are you so lackluster? about your salvation. Uh, it's time that don't add up here. If you know that your punishment is death and everything around you is evident, look at this, look at this. Alive, dead. Alive, dead. Both of these are sentenced to death. Only one is perpetuating life on its way to death. Come on, somebody. The other one is just sitting here dead. Come on, y'all don't understand. You already sentenced to death. Come on. But then if he is merciful enough to give you a way to life, and you mean to tell me that he carves out a path through humanity, through his own blood, and you walk in this life, you still want to perpetuate and contemplate sinning? You still want to contemplate disobedience? You want to finesse and figure out how you can get around it? Have you lost your everlasting? lasting mind you never really got saved you reasoned your salvation you were not rescued you know how I know because you don't feel like you were saved I, I look at people that disobey willingly and go how because I feel that I was sentenced to death and he said Come over here and sin. Oh, that's, that feel like death. I ain't going over there. That's going to take me out of my covering. That's going to take me out of my protection. That's going to take me out of my peace. You're going to get all in my mind. You're going to start perpetuating lies in my head. I can't go fooling up with that. I don't even want to be nowhere near that. That just feels like something I came out of. Something I couldn't save myself from. Something I had to be saved from. And some of y'all ain't never been saved. You've reasoned to be moral. So you don't value salvation because if it's grace, he lets you see where your reasoning took you, that you might be saved, that you might be truly saved. When you come to grips that your will does not save you, your willpower does not save you, your motivations, your inspirations, your good intentions, they are not enough. Your reasoning, your intellect, you need something supernatural, something powerful that's outside of you that says, come on, baby, be free. Come on, don't try to figure it out. Come on, open your mouth. Let it come from the inside of you. Come on, it ain't about what you think. Come on, let the power of God move in a way that you cannot contain it. You cannot control it. Feel how he moves. That ain't coming from you. You don't have that kind of 
holiness in you. That's the holiness of God. Not, well, maybe if I do like this and I do like that and I do like this and I do like this and I do like this, then now, okay, now if I just live like this and do like that and if I do like this, then and now she's been reasoning. And God has allowed you out of good reasoning to be saved today. To be saved today. Ain't no need in us trying to, you know, you know, shook and jive, fake the funk. You ain't been feeling saved. You've been reasoning good morality. Because when you feel that he rescued you from something, what you ain't going to do is sin. Do I have any witnesses? When I recognize that you really saved me from something, when I recognize what that death felt like encroaching upon my soul, covering all around me, and somebody say, hey, you want to come sin? Uh-uh. Woo! No, you don't know what it costs. You don't know what my Savior had to do. You don't know how he broke the bounds. I want to come up from this earth. I got a desire in me to have life and life more abundantly. And this ain't it, baby. The only thing you fight is temptation. And you are victorious. You're like, why do I feel like I... Wait a minute. Is you pushing on me? Get off of me. Is you trying to convince me to... Get off of me. It just takes me a minute to recognize what's happening. But I ain't no ways going to side with Satan. I ain't going to join him to satisfy my own needs. If I hunger, let me hunger. If I thirst, let me thirst. If I perish, let me perish. But I'm not going to side with Satan about trying to prolong something that is already dying. I much rather have eternal life hidden on the inside of me that will restore me to abundant life, which is where I'm supposed to be. You a bad man. You a bad woman. When life itself is not tempting. I'm going to prove it to you and we're going to go. So they were cut to the heart. He said, what shall we do? Pastor, what are we going to do? How can we walk in this salvation? Number one, I will be at the altar to get saved. I want to be saved, saved. I want to feel the penalty of my sin. I want to feel all the wrong that I've done. I don't want to reason how it was my lifestyle, how it was my past, how it was my childhood. I don't want to reason how I didn't know better, how it was my cold experience. I want to feel everything about how wrong this was and chalk it up to this is sin and death. And then I need God to know that if you don't save me, I can't be saved. If you don't give me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me, I ain't going to have it. I can't think to have it. I can't make myself have it. You need to give it to me. Like all I produce is sin. All I produce is wrongness. All I produce is iniquity. Every time I go to do something, it's still off the mark. Every time I go to do it right, it's still off. I'm so tired of things being off. Create a clean heart in me and renew a right spirit. Y'all better stand in this house. Your legs work. You better stand and give God glory. Fooling up with you. Half the house, I'm preaching my back out of you over there sitting down. Get up! No, I'm waiting. 
Yeah, I'm waiting. You want to walk? Stand. Somebody help Sister Hyacinth. Eventually, she's going to have to walk to get out of here, so you might as well help her now. Walk for the presence of the Lord. I ain't fooling up with nobody old and young. You want God to do great things, but you want to sit on your butt. This is not, that's not how you start a renewed relationship with reasoning how it's not necessary for you to stand. Do you see how deep run this is? Even under the power of God with truth that you agree with, you got bad habits of comfort. Your comfort supersedes what you know you need. So when I say stand, I am challenging your comfort level. Your reason that we're just going to sit back down anyway. Nobody asked you what you was getting ready to do. Can you flow with him in this moment? Because that's what you need when you come to this altar. And I ain't going to sit up here and try to deliver nobody that don't want to be delivered. Not that I have the power within me, but it's God's power. And I want my sheep to walk accordingly to receive blessings. I'm the priest of the house. I'm telling you, hey, clean your robes. Go wash your hands. Get yourself ready because the Lord is going to make a visitation with somebody. Get yourself ready. He wants to visit somebody. Now, sit on down. And I want to have this conversation again. When you sense in your spirit you need to stand, what do you do? Stand. I don't care if it takes you 20 minutes. When you feel like you want to shout, shout. Quit overthinking the power of God. It's not in here. It's in here in your spirit. Some of y'all so smart, you stupid. You didn't think that hard when you thought you was in love. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. Right? But now when it come to God, you want to think, well, should I stand? Should I? Should I? You ain't thinking when you was kissing. You ain't thinking when your clothes coming off. So I know when passion really, when passion really overwhelms you, when you're really passionate about something, when you're really, when you're really into it, you don't be thinking about nothing. You don't be trying to figure out nothing. You just go with the flow. And all I'm trying to say is, why won't you love on God? Why won't you let him overtake you? Why won't you let him move you? Why won't you let him get you to look like a fool? It bothers me how poor you all are loving God. The way I love God and the way I preach this word, I should have a church that don't ever stop running. I should be the one saying, settle down, settle down, settle down, settle down. You hear, you hear the word you just got? Do you hear the word you just got? Somebody wants to save you and his name is Jesus. Somebody found out the problem in your heart and he wants to deliver you. He got down to the root. He said, baby, I can solve this. I can solve it. What Satan made for your harm, I'm going to work it for your good. I know you didn't know no better, but I see your heart. Let me show you my real power. Let me show you my real power. Let me show you. He wants you to get it too. He wants you to get it too. He wants you. It seems like they other people get it. He wants you to get it too. It seems like other people can flow. He wants you to flow too. Don't let your stubbornness, your hard-heartedness. 
If you feel like breaking, it's a good time to break. If you feel like crying, it's a good time to cry. If you don't even know what you're feeling, but something's happening, it's a good time to let something happen. It ain't the time to hold it down. It ain't the time to quiet it down. It ain't the time to silence it. It ain't the time to look holy. It ain't the time to look have some decorum. It's the time to let it out because God wants to visit somebody today that you will never be the same. I see you striving for goodness. Let me make this a little easier. I see you striving to be right. Let me make it a little easier. You can't do it without me. I got to do it in you. We ain't got no musicians. You got to clap your hands. We ain't got no singers. You got to say hallelujah. Created me a clean heart. Created me a clean heart. Created me a renew, renew a right spirit. My spirit is all janky. I do things half-hearted. I do things with doubt and fear. Fear is not from you. I do things with anxiety. I do things with selfish intentions and motives. Renew a right spirit in me. Renew a right spirit in me. See my heart. See my heart. See my heart. God, I really want to. I really want to get it right. Come on in the name of Jesus. I really want to please you. I really want to serve you. Go ahead, sister. Go ahead, sit down. Go ahead, sister Hyson. You can sit down. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My, 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 my. It said, what shall we do? What shall we do? He said, apostle, man of God, what shall we do? When I got this thing all wrong, we thought we was moving down the right path and found out I was all together on the wrong path. I thought I was doing good and serving God, then I done got it all wrong from the root. What do I do when I got it wrong from the root? What I ain't gonna do is sit here and try to build a pity party. What do I need to do now? What do I need to do now? I, this word pricked my heart. I got some stuff wrong from the beginning. From the beginning. From the very beginning, I got it all wrong. And then Satan throughout these years just been adding wrong to my wrong. And adding more wrong to my wrong. And now I got concepts about you that ain't even true. I got visions of you that ain't even real. What can I do to undo it? What shall I do? I can't lose you. I can't lose you, but you need to clean this up. I can't lose you, but, but fix everything. Fix how I view you. Fix how I feel about you. Fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. Just give me you. I want the real you. I want to take you as the God of death. I want to take you as the God that pulls down, that destroys. That I want to take you as the God that builds up. I want, to take you, I want to take you, all of you, all of you, all of you. I want to take you as a destroyer, and I want to take you as a life giver. The lion and the lamb. The fire and the water. I want to take you in your fullness. Judge me. Judge me. What shall we do? They said, the apostles were very plain. He said, repent. And be baptized. He says, first of all, repent 
and be baptized. Repent. Acknowledge it. For all kinds of reasons, I've been contrary. I've been stuck in a perverse or crooked generation. The Bible says that you need to be saved, be thou saved from a crooked and perverse generation. A generation that's moving, but moving in the wrong direction. That's what that crooked means. A perverse, it's a crookedness. We're all moving through time, but somebody is moving in the wrong direction. It's slightly off and it's curving more and more out. He said, be saved from that. Be saved from the idea and the deception that just because you're moving forward, that you're moving in the right direction. He said, be saved from that. There's a perversity to it. It's tempting that just because you're moving forward that you're going in the right direction. How do, how do you know? You don't. By faith, you are led. Faith isn't about what you see. You can't see it. You're led. You're taken by the hand. You're led. You're taken by the hand. He says, what shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Sit on down. Sit on down. Thank you so much for that. Sit on down. We're almost there to the altar. I know you're ready, but let me get some more truth. For the remissions of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This repent and be baptized it's significant because repentance is something that is done inwardly, right? Yes. It is often displayed outwardly through life choices. You start here and then you turn. And when we see you going in a different direction, then we know that you have repented. Yes? You were a part of a perverse and crooked generation that Acts letter tells us that we need to be saved from. And you start turning and going in the right direction. When we start seeing your life line up for this new direction, we'll see actions that resemble that. But one of the biggest things that he says next is to be baptized. Now, we've had baptisms here, and some of y'all need to be rebaptized. <laughs> um, but the idea, to put this in context, was when these saints got baptized, it wasn't just symbolic. This became a profession that you could come and kill me. It wasn't a quiet change. <coughs> It was something they said, when I do this, I am now led for the slaughter. And in order to be baptized, they had to agree that from this day forward, I am a dead man walking. Because anyone that everyone that persecuted Christ is now going to come gunning for you. And they did. So when a person had to be baptized, they were prepared to let go of their old life both figuratively and literally. They had to live every day as if it could be their last day to serve God. That's how you know you're saved. Some of you don't live like this could be your last day to serve God. That's how I know you ain't that much saved. 
The only reason I kept pastoring in the midst of my grief, missing my mom, is in case he ever wanted to take me home, I wanted to be doing his will on the last day. (laughs) And I wanted to go home. I still want to go home ever so slightly. The meds are helping. Yes? But I wanted to be active in his will when he took me home. I wanted to serve him to my last breath. It's the least I could do for saving me. That's the least I could do for saving me. Every day I wake up, how can I serve you? In what ways? If you're thinking of what ways you could sin, something ain't right. In what ways you could satisfy your flesh, something ain't right. You have not been saved. So when people said in the old days, I want to be baptized, what they're saying is, can you imagine the, the, the disparity in the homes? Babe, listen, I really feel like Jesus was the Messiah. I need to turn my heart back to him. I'm going to go over here with the people in the way. They call them the Christians. It just, it just, it just got to me. I want to I live for, for Christ now. You want to live for Christ? They are killing people that are living for Christ. You can't do this. What, we, what me and the kids going to do without you? How are we going? We can't do it. Listen, you need to hear this. I mean, and then, and then, then the whole, maybe the whole family get together. And they all decide to live for Christ. Now the whole babies. Now the babies got to die. The parents got to die. Everybody signed up to live a life on the run if that's what's necessary. To live a life. This is what baptism means. This is what salvation, why are you arguing and complaining and griping about temporal things when you were baptized? Why is your focus on so many temporal things when you know that it's all very temporary for you? Not all of Christianity is just morally living to get what you want. And no one's really living for him. You're living for yourself. You're adding him to it. Because when you live for him and you realize the kiosk don't work, then the tithing don't work, you know, Satan's just mad. This is a part of the fight. Somehow we're going to win. I don't know, maybe somebody really did donate on the website. Somehow, we'll survive. This is just his attempt to slow me down. He doesn't recognize, as I've already committed from age seven, when he saved my parents from drugs, brought us out of the ghetto, gave me a decent school, a good education, surrounded by love and support, I was dedicated for the rest of my life. I will die for you. So what is a house? What is a car? What is a spouse? If it doesn't mean serving you, you can take it if you want. I'm not seeking it. What are you seeking? The kingdom of God. No matter how many times I tell you, when you look at my life, you assume that I sought these things. I, d- does anybody know my personal life? June, can anybody attest that, Glenda, anybody attest to somebody that I did not seek for these things? But you see them added. I keep trying to tell you, you keep biting Satan's thing to seek after your own success and your own stability and your own, and you know, you, it's not going to work that way. 
Be led. Be led. And the only reason you are in this house is because God knows your spirit is best fitted to be led by me. I was fit for you. Fit for you. Can anybody, if anybody can get through to you, it's pastor. Now my mama say some things, but pastor say it, you know. You know, my cousin say some things, but pastor say it. My other pastor said that, but when she said it, when she lived it, when she brought it to the house, when we had dinner that time, when we was chilling out the pool, when it just, it just hit different. That's your blessing. Sit on down. Some of y'all, it had no other way. As Lisa will say, I don't listen to nobody but you. <laughs> and she, she's my mama's friend. It means the pastor had to be fitted to get through to you. That's God's love for you, that you would have a physical representation of taking somebody by the hand. Because doing it all invisible does not work for you. So here's somebody you can call to confirm what he's saying in your spirit. Here's somebody that we can just go walk, drive around, and it starts confirming things in your life. Look at how it's looking. Look how we just sitting down having dinner. Look how you're feeling. Look how you're looking. We ain't even doing it. Look how you're thinking. Look how you, well, I'm just hanging out at the park with the babies and she. Look how you're feeling. Look how you're doing. Oh, it's working at the golf course. Oh, look at this. You could not have planned this, which is why you should let go and let God do it. Hello, somebody? Amen. He says, repent and be baptized. I'm going to say this last verse, and then we can go for the day. I didn't finish, but that's, that's enough. Amen. Where was I? What verse did I read to you last? Repent and be baptized. Look at the verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to who are all afar off as many as our Lord will call. The promise is for you. Your perpetual failures, your continual striving to get it right and still can't get it right, wanting to be right, but every time it come out wrong. Hello? Every time. Anybody ever been there? Like I really did set my foot on a straight path. How in the world did I end up over? I even rehearsed it in my head. Yesterday I told Sister Jewel while she's sitting here, I said, Jewel, can you do me a favor as you leave? Take these things that are on my counter. Put them in the trunk of my car. In the back seat of the car, you will see a box of toilet cleaner. Put that with those items in the trunk of my car. I'm going to take them to the new house. She said, sure, not a problem. She got it. See, see how she said she got it? She don't even know. I go to my car today. I hop in the car. All the stuff that I said to put in the trunk, it's in the back seat. Now, she heard me say, take these items, put them in the trunk. Get the thing in the back seat. Put that in the trunk with that. But when she saw the thing in the back seat, she just assumed, changed everything I said, and assumed, put all these things in the, in the back seat. 
Let me show you how you can try and mean to do well. You set off with your instructions just as such. But as soon as something catches your eye, everything is changed. Everything is distorted. As soon as, well, you know, maybe I can just, well, maybe God just wants me. Well, maybe I should just consider. Well, maybe it's, you need somebody to go, no, that's, that's not what this is at all. It's here. It's here. This is, this is the mark. Because sin is to be off the mark. It's to miss the mark. This is the mark, not over here. Oh, okay. See, when I thought it was over here, but then when I saw this, I thought, well, maybe it's also, maybe it was over here. And somebody needs to say, no, go back to your seat. Because you are prone. See how easy that is? Prone. As soon as it catches your eye, to reevaluate everything that you were originally instructed. Now, what saves you is you can take somebody the hand, by the hand. Now, what ends up happening is for those of us that are not saved, this is not possible. This feels like this. And I refuse to let anybody mistake me for doing this. So I'm hands off. You ain't going to say I'll jack you up like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Take me here, mm-hmm, this is what we're going to do, mm-hmm. See the light touch, <laughs> light touch. Pastor ain't like, all I use is words. All I use is, you know, all I use is words. I use nothing but words. That's as light as you. I ain't bound you. I ain't took your keys. I just use words. And then when that don't work, I use silence. But when it starts feeling like I'm doing this, and you're responding to me like I'm doing this, Lead yourself, which you're incapable of, and you end up drifting off to the back, only to be backslidden in a couple months. They're fine. We're going to learn the hard way. It's just supposed to be a leading. That's all. Look. Come on, let's go that way. Come on. I love it when people really get broken, when they really been seeing all the sin and all the devil around them. And I say, well, what about what you going to do about this? I don't know what you think I should do. Yes. Come. This is great. See, I didn't break you. The Lord broke you. And now, in your broken state, you start asking me, what do you think is best? I don't even know. Look, the light touch. You don't even know? Come on. Let me come on. Let me show you that how we're going to go. That's so nice. Now, how you feel about that? You feel good? I feel, I feel like this is good. Okay, good. Let's go a little bit further. See, I'll be kind when you be willing to go. You willing to go? All right, let's go. How you, how you processing it? You over here. I'm like, come on, let's go. You ain't going to move. You just, come on, let now, I know you, 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 you're real resistant, but I'm, I'm going to need you to remember that you wanted just Jesus. You wanted him. He over here. He not over there. Let go. No. See, you're still resistant. See, now, now again, you say you wanted him. He, he, you said you wanted this Jesus. He's not over here. He's over there. Now, <sighs> now I got to do you like I do do. I got to wait out your tamper tantrum. You done? Right. That's when they're broken. Till then, I'm constantly tugging and I refuse to tug. You just gonna have to look crazy. And then you come back to me. Why didn't you persuade me? 
That's what Glenda say. Why didn't you fully persuade me? Why didn't you fully tell me? I did. You didn't make it plain. You didn't make it clear. I did. I said, don't go over there. It's nothing but death and destruction. How much more plain does it need to be? She wants me to grab her and pull her. Then she's going to say I'm too harsh. Uh-uh. Come on, standing all over the house. The promise is for you. He wants to lead you through this. He wants to lead you. He wants to restore and renew your mind and a right spirit. Come on, don't act like, don't fake the funk. You know that spirit ain't right. Everything that come in that's good still be coming out tainted. That can't be right. Come on, the spirit can't be right. Don't, don't worry about the, it, it ain't the input. It's, what's, it's the mechanism. God has prepared in you and all of your systems that when bad is taking it, it can process it out. The only way it don't process it out is because something wrong with the system. Hello, somebody. It ain't, the issue ain't what you're taking in. The issue is how you're built. Yeah. 